Funding for Journeys of Discovery with Tom Wilmer is provided by the Foundation at Hearst Castle, where donors and members experience exclusive events that recreate what it was like to be a guest of William Randolph Hearst, from swimming in the iconic Neptune pool to dining in Hearst's private guest house overlooking the Pacific Ocean. The Foundation at Hearst Castle's ongoing mission is to support the conservation and restoration of Hearst Castle while offering youth programs for underserved students. Discover how you can become a member by going to foundation at hearstcastle.com and learn how you can support this unique and invaluable mission. Back in the latter 18th century, black players often played on baseball teams alongside whites, but segregation took an ugly turn in the dawning days of the 20th century, and blacks were barred from playing through Jim Crow laws. Undaunted, black segregated teams were formed across America. The first organized formal league structure was conceived in Kansas City in 1920, and thus was born the Negro National League followed by Eastern and Southern Leagues. The decline of the Negro Leagues began in 1945 when Jackie Robinson, a player at the time for the segregated Kansas City Monarchs, was recruited by Major League Baseball's Brooklyn Dodgers. I'm correspondent Tom Wilmer. Come along and join me for a visit with Bob Kendrick, the president of the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum in Kansas City, Missouri. The Grays have got to be scratching their heads. And ladies and gentlemen, here he comes, the Black. Babe Ruth, yes sir. It doesn't get any better than this. Best in the game. Josh Gibson and Satchel Babe. My name is Bob Kendrick, President Negro Leagues Baseball Museum. And we're in Kansas City, Missouri. Yes, you are. Mm-hmm. Historic 18th and Vine in oh, Kansas City, Missouri. The heart of town. I love it. Yes, yes. Going way back. Why and how the Negro League Baseball Museum came to be here? Well, it really made sense that a museum dedicated to this subject matter be anchored here at Historic 18th and Vine because Kansas City is the birthplace of the Negro Leagues. This is where the leagues were formed in 1920, just literally a block and a half away from where the museum currently operates, the old Paseo YMCA. So before Chattanooga, before anywhere, it was here? Yeah, no, yeah. Rube Foster led a contingent of eight independent black baseball team owners into Kansas City in 1920. Mm -hmm. They met at the old Paseo YMCA. And what was the momentum? What was that genesis that made it happen? They were looking for a form so that black and Hispanic baseball players could showcase their world-class baseball skills. Obviously, we were living in a society that was segregated. Baseball was no different. So these men could not play in the major leagues, so they formed their own league here in Kansas City. The Negro Leagues would then rise to rival, and in many cities across our country, surpass Major League Baseball in popularity and in attendance. They were actually outdrawing many Major League teams. This was great baseball. 18th and Vine, and this whole section of Kansas City, as you alluded to, when segregation was full-blown, this was like its own city, man, that hummed along in spite of what was happening around. It was a cultural crossroads. 
It was a crossroads where jazz and baseball intersected. But it was also the epicenter of black life in Kansas City. So while segregation was a certainly a horrible chapter in this country's history, what segregation created was this explosive entertainment environment here known as 18th and Vine. 18th and Vine in its heyday was as recognized street cross-section as there was anywhere in the world, mm-hmm. again, because you had that intrinsic mixture of jazz and baseball radiating from the street corner and Anybody who was anybody, you know, made their way to to Kansas City, they came to 18th and Vine. Isn't that interesting? What a bizarre paradox that because of segregation created this powerhouse that might never have existed in just music alone. Well, music, baseball, Mm -hmm. other aspects of culture, because again, segregation was a horrible chapter in this country's history, but segregation forced ownership. It forced a community to rally around one another, and as a result, those black businesses that were created or mandated because of segregation were flourishing. Black baseball had a great hand in helping those businesses flourish. Wherever you had successful black baseball, Mm -hmm. you had thriving black economies. Interesting. Really fascinating. A super driver, isn't it? No question. You know, I think sometimes it's so easy to get lost in the romanticism of these courageous athletes who overcame tremendous social adversity to play the sport that they love. But also inside this story is a story of economic empowerment, a story of leadership, a story of of the ultimate social advancement of our country all rolled inside this wonderful story of baseball. So the Negro Leagues themselves are bigger than the game of baseball. The story is. The story is much bigger than the game of baseball, yet it's still just a tiny part of the great story of the game of baseball. I love it. So what would somebody see and experience here at the museum? Well, you're going to go back in time. You're going to take a fascinating journey back in time to an era of greatness, really, because these men were able to forge a glorious history in the midst of an inglorious time in American history. And so when our visitors come here, you just basically walked into an old ballpark. You walk into the old ballpark, and of course, first thing you see is the field. And it's called the Field of Legends. And the Field of Legends, you're separated though from the field by a chicken wire barrier. Well, if we go back and look when Major League ball clubs would allow black fans in to watch a Major League game, that's how we were separated. Black fans would sit down either the left or right field line, and we were separated from white fans with a chicken wire barrier. So naturally, we separate all of our visitors from the centerpiece of our exhibition with chicken wire. Uh And, And so it serves as a dividing mechanism here. But it also is so symbolic because as you delve into this subject matter, you will later see that this league that was born out of segregation would ultimately become the driving force for social change in our country. Yeah. So the, you know, the irony of the fact that a league born from segregation would lead us to social advancement, I think, certainly resonates with our visitors. Yeah, no kidding. So what happens in here? This is a static display with yeah. bronze well, statues. It, it's, it's a, almost a surreal Yeah, uh, it's display. like frozen yeah. moment in time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think, yeah, obviously I'm biased, <laughs> but I think our field of legends is one of the most incredible displays in any museum anywhere in the world. People who have come from around the world say it absolutely gives them chills. I'll never forget the, the legendary Ozzie Smith, the wizard. When we opened the museum in 1997, the new museum in 1997, we had the big grand opening gala here, and he walked in on the field, and he was moved to tears. Wow. 
because he understood that he stood on the shoulders of these men so that he could pursue a wonderful Hall of Fame career in the major leagues. But it would not have happened without these men, and he knew that. So each one of these bronze statue players are real symbolic representations of specific individuals. They're all Mm life-size, and they're based on the height-weight data information that we had on all the athletes, and they represent 10 of the first group of Negro League players to be inducted into the National Baseball Hall of Fame at Cooperstown. Mm -hmm. And so that's how we chose our all-star team, and as you can see, they're cast in position as if they were playing a game. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It is. It's just like all of a sudden you blink and they're going to move. Yeah, you? well, I think sometimes after we shut it down and get a little quiet in here, I suspect they throw the ball around a little bit. Yeah. And now you're making me cry. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But it's a, it's a very powerful display. It's a very powerful exhibition. Everything flows around this baseball diamond. So what we hoped would happen was that our visitors would walk in, peer through this chicken wire, see this incredible display, and we hope it invokes that desire that I can't wait to get out there and walk amongst those statues. But again, we segregate you from the field. Mm -hmm. We wanted our visitors to at least remotely experience what segregation was like. So in the case of these great athletes, knowing full well they were good enough to play in the major leagues, so close to it, yet so far from it. So from most vantage points in the museum, you can always see the field. Mm -hmm. But you're not going out there. No, no, you can't get to it. And so the only way that you're allowed to take the field at the Negro Leagues Museum, you have to earn that right. And you do so by learning their story. So by the time you've bared witness to everything that they endured just to play baseball in this country, Mm -hmm. then the very last thing that happens is now you can take the field. And in many respects, you're now deemed worthy Mm -hmm. to walk out on the field with 10 of the baddest brothers to ever play this game. I love it. (laughs) So show us some of the things that you have, some displays here and some... Yeah, well, you know, and basically what drives our museum is the story. You have to remember that this is a story that toiled in anonymity for so long. Why? Because American historians treated it as if it never happened. Lost it over, just ignored it. Yeah, so it was omitted from the pages of American history books. So countless numbers of us have gone through our formal educations without knowing one of the most important and significant chapters of not only baseball, but American history, that being the Negro Leagues. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and so... It is a new history for virtually everybody who comes to experience this. And let's talk about yourself. Was there an epiphanous moment in your life? I mean, you didn't know when you were a kid that you'd no. be here today. No, I had no idea. I started as a volunteer. Mm-hmm. started as a volunteer with this great museum in 1993, almost uh, at its infancy, and uh, met the late, great Buck O'Neill. And as I tell our guests all the time, once you meet Buck, or in this case, once you met Buck, it was all over. You know, I said you got bitten by the Buck bug, and it was really a wrap. You know, because he was so gregarious, so charming, so witty, and he dedicated so, really the last 16 years of his life to building this museum. And so you just wanted to be on Buck's team. Mm -hmm. And so I call myself a baseball fan, considered myself to be a baseball fan, yet there was this entire chapter of baseball history that I knew nothing about. You know, yeah, I knew the names Satchel Paige, Cool Papa Bell, Josh Gibson. Those names went mainstream. So even most Major League Baseball fans have heard, at least heard those names, even if they don't know a lot about them. But the full depth, scope, breadth of what this story represented, no idea. I had no idea until I got involved with the museum and then fell in love with the story, 
fell in love with the men and women who made this story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so you almost become engrossed in it, and then you just wanted to share this with any and everybody else. Good. Do you have a little couple more minutes? I got a custom because guys coming to I meet with me. That. That. Yeah, no, no, we can keep talking. Gotta, okay. We've got a couple minutes. What do we have around here? Is there are there other rooms to see? Yeah, no, no. Let's just take a real well, fast. We we offer ten thousand square feet of exhibit space, mm-hmm. and, and so basically we take you on a nostalgic journey back in time. And so the story itself is set on a timeline of American history. Everything above the timeline is baseball related. What is captured inside the timeline and below it are what I like to refer to as historical reflections of things that were happening to African Americans at that particular juncture in our country's history. To kind of put contextualized. It does. So really for our visitor, it becomes an all-encompassing history lesson. Mm -hmm. You not only come here and witness the rise and subsequent fall of the Negro Leagues, but you literally witness the social rise of America simultaneously. And those two things go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. And so we tell the story, however, through a wonderful collection of photographs, artifacts, great scriptive pieces. And if you were here on your leisure, you could spend the entire day here. A lot of people do. Because it's a lot to consume in one helping. You know what? It's so painful to be with you here right now because you have to say goodbye to me and I have to say goodbye to you. And it hasn't been nearly enough time. (laughs) So guaranteed, I will be back. Well, we we want you to come back when you can spend more time with us. And uh, this is a special place. We hope that more folks will make their way. If you're coming to Kansas City, you've got to come and visit the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum and take on this slice of culture, heritage, and history. Yeah, and uh, we celebrate. And I, and I think sometimes people think that this is going to be a sad, somber story because, again, they know that this story is anchored in the ugliness of American segregation. But this is not a sad story. This is a celebration. And an it, empowering one. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it is the celebration of the power of the human spirit to persevere and prevail. And that's what makes this story, I think, so awe-inspiring for the great many of our visitors who come to see us. Again, my name is Bob Kendrick. I'm president of the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum, Kansas City, Missouri. Thank you so much. You made my day. How cool. (laughs) You're welcome. You're very welcome. That was Kansas City. The piano music in this show was performed live at the Mutual Musicians Foundation Union Hall. This is the place where after hours local musicians would come to play and hang out and so many people came to hear them perform that they packed the room to the rafters and thus was coined the phrase Jam Session right here in Kansas City, Missouri. The intro baseball game audio clip is from Soul of the Game, a 1996 made-for-television movie about the Negro League Baseball League, and specifically Satchel Paige's team, the Kansas City Monarchs. Funding for Journeys of Discovery with Tom Wilmer is provided by the Foundation at Hearst Castle, where donors and members experience exclusive events that recreate what it was like to be a guest of William Randolph Hearst, from swimming in the iconic Neptune Pool to dining in Hearst's private guesthouse overlooking the Pacific Ocean. The Foundation at Hearst Castle's ongoing mission is to support the conservation and restoration of Hearst Castle while offering youth programs for underserved students, preserving the past and inspiring future generations of dreamers. These children experience a world of science, technology, engineering, art, and math at Hearst Castle STEAM, along with studying the legacy of Julia Morgan, one of the most important women in the history of engineering and architecture. 
The foundation at Hearst Castle not only changes the lives of children, but also provides lifetime memories and unrivaled experiences for our generous donors and members. Discover how you can become a member by going to foundation at hearstcastle.com and learn how you can support this unique and invaluable mission. You've been listening to the Lowell Thomas award-winning travel show Journeys of Discovery with Tom Wilmer, a featured podcast on NPR.org's podcast directory. Produced by California Central Coast NPR affiliate KCBX. You are invited to subscribe to Journeys of Discovery with Tom Wilmer on NPR.org, NPR One, iTunes, Stitcher.com, and more than 20 other podcast channels around the world. To learn more about Tom Wilmer's journeys around America and the world, log on to ThomasWilmer.com. This is Roseanne Cash, and I'm sitting here with Tom Wilmer on KCBX Radio. Please support your local NPR station. I listen to WNYC in New York. In fact, NPR is all I listen to. If I didn't have NPR, I would feel like my lifeline to the world has been cut. So, yes, please support your local NPR station. That was Kansas City.